NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Cricket is said to be a lot of things, but it isn't 100 on debut with the Boxing Day test. It's doing everything in your power to score 30 so you don't get dropped to fourth grade next week. Cricket isn't a chanceless 100 at the SCG in front of friends, family, colleagues, lovers and ex-lovers. It's actually batting for eight minutes in fading light against first graders with two-piece cricket balls off 18 yards on wet wickets with no sight screens a week after you've found out you're red-green colourblind. Cricket isn't taking a classic catch in the cordon and being hoisted off the field by your mates. It's going for a needlessly extravagant dive at long on to save a boundary off your terrible off-spinner only to realise there's a syringe poking out of your arm because you're playing in a low socioeconomic suburb one hour from home on their number two field. And you instantly think, oh no, I've definitely got AIDS. And you worry about how it's going to affect your quality of life, your relationship, and it's a really nervous three-month wait for the blood test to come back. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. The great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast on Fox Sports. My name is Ian Higgins. I'm joined by Dave Edwards and Sam Perry. We are the Grey Cricketer. Boys, welcome. I guess the first question is, what is this and how did we get here? Look, he goes, I don't know. And thank you. It's great to be with all of you on the Grey Cricketer Podcast. Um, look, we're not polished cricket commentators. We're not ex-test cricketers. We're just three blokes from the internet uh, with a shared Twitter account. And somehow, for some reason, Fox Sports has given us a go. Uh, we're here to talk about cricket. Hopefully uh, in a fun, jovial way, but there'll be a bit of darkness along the way. Uh, what are your thoughts, Pezza? Well, yeah, th- thanks for the welcome. He goes as well. Great to be here. I get, the first thing I wanted to say is, you know, thanks to Fox uh, for having us. There, there are a lot of nerves from them, though, I think, in having us here. Like, just to paint the picture, yeah. we're in one of those yeah. one-way mirror rooms. Like, they're all standing yeah. there with their arms folded, 100 yeah. pairs of eyes, yeah. very, Clipboards. very worried about what we're saying. And, and we are here because we're trying to sort of reconcile our relationship with the game mm. aren't we this is this is about therapy so there will be some darkness as you said mm. but there's also going to be some celebration and and you know to those who have been what would you say on the internet trolling who've been hating on us for taking on this sponsorship any cricketer wants to be sponsored you mm. know, don't, don't apologize for working with fox on this so uh yeah so thank you selling out we're all selling out yeah. sorry for giving yeah. you four years of free tweets <laughs> <laughs> and now more content boys uh speaking of content books are out it's book time there are many books out. Johnson's got a book. Mitchell Johnson's got a book. Michael Clark has Michael Clark got a book out? I haven't. Have they kept up with the news. I think so. I think I'll there's be a book embargoed. out. I think I think there's a book out. Uh, and also, there's been some reactions to that. 
uh, Brett Jeeves obviously wrote an article uh, to some uh, to some uh, notoriety this week. Michael Clark book thoughts, boys. Oh, I thought we were here to talk about. I thought we were going to talk about Mark Nicholas's book. We're <laughs> <laughs> we saving that to last, mate. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if nothing else, hasn't this week of autobiographies just taught us that cricket? After everything is really just about working out who's a good bloke. <laughs> <laughs> We're fascinated by it, aren't we? And like we, yeah, yeah. we often laugh at sort of members of the fairer sex for loving New Idea or Woman's Day or whatever, which is just kind of steeped in gossip. But we are no better, are we? We absolutely love to find out mm. who, you know, who's the worst bloke. That, that's what this week's been all about. Just who, who is the worst mm. bloke and what side are you on? Binary construct, yeah. Which side are you on? You know, Clark Kadich. <laughs> It's basically like Christos Tiolkas' book, The Slap, you know, where you know, an incident happened at a backyard in suburban Melbourne. Uh, you know, boundaries were drawn. You know, people fell on either side. Whose side are you on, Kadich or Clark? We might get to that later. Um, mate, I reckon alpha power plays have just always been a part of cricket. Now we're seeing them flow through in autobiographies, you know, ever since the days when WG Grace refused to walk when he got bowled. Um, that's, just, that's just how you behave in cricket. Um, I mean... Clark's book, I haven't read it and won't, but um, it's some of the things that he's been saying, it, it, very attention-grabbing, and I, I was interested in the way that um, that uh, cricketers just don't respect you if you're a coach, if you didn't play at the top level. You know, he said Anybody, a lot of, yeah. Yeah, Anybody. like, you have to have played at the absolute top level to gain the respect with mm. Test Cricket. It didn't always used to be like that. I think in the, in the 90s and 2000s, there was really? John Buchanan, Gus Hiddink, you know, intelligent, thoughtful people. And in the US, you've got, you know, Bill Belichick and Coach K in the NCAA. And, you know, it's a different mentality, I mm. think, over in the US. But Australia, it's just alpha. You know, if you didn't play test cricket, who are you? <laughs> That's right. And that even goes beyond cricket. Like, I mean, just buying property or something like that. You refuse to deal with anyone who didn't play cricket at a high level, yeah, yeah, yeah. etc. I've like, I'm going to take an opposing view just for fun here on, on Clark. You know, please like me, Michael Clark. But also, <laughs> if you're listening... I, I kind of like how he's just quite openly using his great like polarity uh, that he creates mm. as a personality to sell. Mm. Like, is his not going to be the book when aunties and and mothers and wives are all well meaning and grandmothers etc. Anyone actually just non sports followers scan at eye level for a book for their you know sports loving mm. male in their life. And doesn't it jump and, off the shelves and, and, <laughs> and, and, and say. Michael Clark, I know that name. Yeah, I'll get that yeah, book. Yeah. And, and someone was telling just sorry, yeah. someone was – I've interrupted him, but I'll continue. Um, someone was saying to me the other day that there was – I think, you know, speaking of US references, there was a sports book out that was sort of 600 pages long and someone, like the publisher, went to page 400 on 10 of the books and put in a slip saying, call this number for $50. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The number was never called. Why didn't we do that? <laughs> it's only 200 pages us. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was probably the problem I mean like, well, something that I've taken away this week Is that everyone hates each other in the Australian setup, And and something that Michael Clark's um, book has brought up in my eyes Is that he he says that everyone's Not everyone, he says that a few people are great blokes For instance, there's like a segment there with Darren Lehman How he's saying like, I respect Darren personally and professionally but then goes on like in caveats it by saying, but it was ridiculous that I lost all of my power to him. Just, <laughs> 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 I noticed, I mean, you're talking about Australia there, but New Zealand, Brendan McCullum's also come out with a book and mm. he's slamming Ross Taylor, who is also still playing cricket. So yeah. a lot of this is happening and there are guys still in the test team and at times coaches who are getting slammed mm. uh, by guys who are just out of the game. Like, 
it just it's the only industry, isn't it, where this happens? Like you don't leave your the corporate job and you know rat on everyone in that industry because you want to get another job <laughs> potentially one day. But these guys are out. Cricket's done. I can say whatever I want about these blokes. Do you think when each of these players sit down with their publishers or their publicity people or what what have you, and they plan out what are going to be the most kind of titillating aspects of the book that mm. we're going to sort of push yep. to get some interest in it? Mitchell Johnson was disappointed because his first foray into the public was just to say he dumped Shane Watson's head in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> if you ask me a serious question, can I just say yes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's been forced to pivot on, and to now talk about Clark and what happened in that change room as well. Can we talk about, the, though, the ultimate act of alphadom that there's ever been, perhaps, and Jeeves wrote about it during the week, um, of him joining the South African tour? And Michael Clark and Lara Bingle just walking past him, not even acknowledging him. I mean, that might be the greatest thing ever. Easily the yeah. moment of this week, for, yeah. for sure, to, to <laughs> oh. read that. Because he described it, the Brett described it so, like, with such great imagery. I think he said, like, even if I was in camouflage, they would have been able to see me. <laughs> he was literally standing there and, yeah. Michael, and no one else was in distance. It was like being in the desert, I think he said. And just two people were there, or well, three people were there. It's quite relatable, because, you know, whenever I go to Woolworths and I see a, you know, a guy from my club walking past me, I obviously avoid eye contact at all costs. You so haven't he, looked at me once tonight. You know, right? <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, Turn around, Dave. Turn around. <laughs> it's, uh, it, I, mean, I, I suppose, like, the people perceive the ultimate act of Alfredson. People perceive the ultimate act <laughs> yeah, 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 of yeah. Alfredson. Academic yeah. Ian Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> as, like, as being called champ. So if, if you get champed mm. by anyone in your life, you are inferior to them immediately. Mm, it's, just, said that. it's just you've always said that. It's a five-letter word that strikes the very vertebra of our, of our society. Um, but I think one level above of that is just not even acknowledging the existence of that human being. Mm. So, th- I mean, like as Brett wrote in his article, Brett, my mate Brett. That's right. He's, BG. Yeah. <laughs> BG. You know, he just, he just wanted just a little tip of the cap. He just wanted to say, you know, well done. I'm yeah. making it to the elite level. Even so, if you yeah. are just filling in, that's fine. But just not even, not even a... Not even looking. You, you, you have worked your whole life and mm. made your friends and family proud, and and, and external community, school community, sure. etc. Mm. You're on this tour. You're wearing Australian kit. You're opposite yeah. me. I'm the captain. Uh, no, I'm I'm not acknowledging you at any stage. I mean, does, does this happen in other sports, or is it just cricket? Are cricketers just weird blokes? I mean, you spend so much time with these guys. You could strike up some kind of yeah. relationship or camaraderie, but you know, it seems like it only, it only brings you. Uh, to loggerheads, spending the more time you spend with with your, with your teammates, it's the angst, isn't it? It's a long drive with someone who you don't really know. It's when you, it's like when you pick up a hitchhiker and you drive for four hours. It's the same mm. as that. It's just too yeah, long. If it's yeah. fifteen minutes down yeah. the road, like a and you got all night. the information you need in the first thirty minutes. <laughs> you know, there's nothing else to talk about. You know, you just the main topic of conversation. I think in the next couple of days, barring a new revelation from Clark or Mitchell Johnson or Mark Nicholas about who's a shit <laughs> is the selection of the Australian side. Uh, so this is kind of the one that has the most fanfare. As we record this, it's on a Wednesday night we're recording this, so yeah. we don't know who the test side is. Right. And I think that's kind of the point. No one really knows what the test side's going to be. Um, we have to face facts. You know, this selection, like this actual selection this summer, uh, comes with the most fanfare. Like, I've always said this, you know, if the announcement of national contracts is like the federal budget... <laughs> we're, we're, twice we're, today. I, I don't we're, know why. You know, with federal budget, you know, we're investing. You know, where we're, we're cutting, where promises are broken, etc. Then the announcement of of this side, you know, for the first test is like club selection night. You know, yeah. what do we, what do we make of uh, the test side being announced and you know the the questions within? 
So the 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 announcements in two days, two days time yeah. from now. So so we're looking at the Friday announcement. So that, that like it'll be like an eleven a.m. press conference, I imagine, heavily orchestrated, strong media attention. Very different to the grade setup, obviously Tuesday night. Maybe sausages or five dollar beers, <laughs> which and I think a, and a is lot disappointing. Of tension. I think it's disappointing. I mean, mm. Australian cricket would do well to create just a selection night, and they could televise it, mm. you know, kind of like the Allen Border Medal, but just for selections. You know, have it at Crown <laughs> Casino. The barbecue could just be yeah. a really great grill from you know where the resident kind of chef is there. Julian Zamiro could MC. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it would have to be all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, just first name that popped in. <laughs> You know, and you, you'd have the tables of incumbents. Mm. Yeah, so you'd have what, what, who'd have like Hazelwood, mm. Warner, Smith, mm. Lyon would be at the table mm. as well. Who's, at the, know, he- who's at, at the head of the table? I suppose Lehman. I'd, yeah, I guess he's, yeah. he's there. Lyon's at the table. He probably he's feeling, you know, the, the guys feel like he, he shouldn't really be there. They've never felt mm. comfortable, but he is there because he's an incumbent. I like the idea though of like a national selection where, <clears throat> excuse me, is that uh, there's like there's like a layer to it. So there's always like if your name. Like, they obviously do fifth grade through to first grade. And so you're really hoping that your name's not called at the beginning, rather towards the end. But you know in your heart of hearts that you're getting called in fifth grade as a reserve yeah. um, in case, you know, four people pull out and it's, you know, it's raining. Um, but so I like the idea, like, of everyone standing up at this meeting. So, like, Crown Casino, there's no, there's, there, there are no tables. There are no seats. People no. standing up. Lots of arms folded. Like, at kind of the end of a, end of a test series when they do the press conferences and stuff. Uh, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Just fold arms. yeah. And, there's, and there's lots of, like... <sighs> Like, yeah. when, when names are being called, that kind of stuff. I want, I want people mocked up. That sort of reaction is what I want. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say everyone's standing up and you just sit down when your name is called. <laughs> just to leave, like, the last 11. <laughs> we're still feeling like, really excited as it, as it goes. But we want to talk about sort of what, what counts in cricket. I mean, what does help you so be selected? In cr- I mean, we've got – we've had the sort of Caxi staff, Australia A's played, Matador Cup's been on, Sheffield Shield's on now. Mm. There have been international ODIs. I forget mm. what happened over in South mm. Africa already – you know, how do we how do we judge what counts and what doesn't? Well, personally, you know, whatever counted for me was was only when I was playing at home. I was always really bad playing away from home, and I think look, the success that we've had away from home recently has been quite limited. And I think that's because blokes don't know how to play away. You know, they're much more comfortable at home because your girlfriend might be coming, your mum and dad will be there, your friends are going to be there, and you're going to perform better. Um, look, I mean, I, I, it's I don't nothing think to do with it's wickets not at all. No, it's not it? the wickets are yeah. flat, and <laughs> mum can't come. Yeah, it's because mum's not there. Where's mum? <laughs> and that's before we get on to dad as well. I, 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 I like this idea that you know runs or wickets carry a certain weighting, and, and I took with interest today that the VCE and the HSE kind of started. So it got me thinking about weighting of things. You know, when you you did like sort of general maths or something. You thought you could get a good mark, but actually it meant yeah. nothing against the good subjects. And it's kind of like getting 70 in the third grade trial. It's actually worth about 35 or something when it comes to selection My time. My thoughts are when it comes to the club arena that those teams are picked. They're already picked. Like you can do whatever you want in pre-season. You can go to your beach yeah. runs. You can do your shuttle runs. You can get to every pre-season fitness. You can hit those balls yeah. cleanly in the throwdown net. You can, you can smash a fifth grader for 150 mm. metres six, high five, ten blokes on the way out. Yeah. You're still getting picked in reserve grade. Yeah. You know, there's, there's absolutely no way you're getting picked in the top grade uh, because especially, the team's already picked. Especially if you're a new player and you're coming to a new club and you, and you go to all the pre-seasons, you know, you go to beach runs, shuttle runs, you're doing everything you can. You, you know, you're, you're going out with guys, having coffees when you don't need to. And, you know, you still hit 88 not out in a 2s v 3s trials game and don't get in any of the five grades. That's actually what happened to me. That happened to you, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm still reeling from it. You've you've obviously moved on from it. It hasn't hasn't affected you. No, no, no. I just had to write about it in a book. (laughs) 
this um this round of Sheffield Shield fixtures, lads. There's like there's so like people lads. are being told to bowl fifteen overs and then they're being pulled out halfway through the match. Like it's just everything is just pointed towards a test team. So they're even like not fixing, but they're fixing Sheffield Shield matches just so blokes get a run out. That team's picked, isn't it? Those teams are picked. Did that actually happen? They fixed the run out. <laughs> fixed it's a strong allegation, <laughs> mate. You better have some evidence for that. I like how you said it's not fixing, but they're fixing. It's the same word. Yeah. Oh, look, I haven't changed my point of view on the matter. Um, you know, I said what I said a few years ago, and I guess at the moment he's obviously trying to sell a book, so uh, it's amazing how more and more of the story comes out. So are you two mates? I think that's a bit of a stretch to say that we're mates. Well, that's certainly what he's been saying. Yeah, look, I think, uh, as I said before, it's a bit of a stretch of the imagination, given that uh, we've hardly spoken about since it all happened and um, obviously I haven't played since you know he took over as captain. But anyway, uh, that's all old news now. So, as I said, I think it's more about him trying to promote his book through the uh, summer. Boys, as you know, we've been racking our brains for weeks about the ideal guest to have on the first show. And then a few days ago, we, we made an overly casual approach on Twitter to a legend of the game and uh, received a phone call back from him while I was in the shower. I, ru- I rushed out, you know, desperate for conversation with anybody, and I, and I heard a voice at the other end, and it said, Sam, Mervyn Hughes. And so it's with unbelievable pleasure we welcome to the show a man who, you know, and I read this the other day, he needs no surname. There's the Don, there's Viv. And there's Merv. How are you, mate? Sam, how are you? Hello, gentlemen. How are we? Fantastic. G'day, Merv. Mate, in, in terms of your career highlights, and there have been many, <laughs> where does dialing into this podcast with three blokes you've ever met rate? Um, in career highlights, I would say it's the most recent. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'll take that as well. <laughs> no, mate. Oh, listen, uh, yeah, just enjoy the work on, on Twitter, so um, happy to come along for the ride. Well, it's kind of you to say, Merv, and I, I suppose if I could kind of like understand why you might enjoy the work is, is because you obviously have some relationship to grade cricket. I think they call it premier cricket now or whatever. Uh, you're a, you know, a stalwart vice president, bowling coach, have I read that? Have I got my, uh, my research right there at Footscray-Edgewater? Yeah, you've got that right, Footscray-Edgewater. So I played all my, all my club cricket at, at um, Footscray at a, at a senior level um, and now... Um, my, my oldest boy's down there, and you know, I'm vice president and bowling coach, and that probably would, um, I suppose, yeah, uh, answer for the, the spiral in our, our bowling stocks for the last couple of years. We've just gone downhill since <laughs> I come on board. How did you get onto the onto the vice presidency there? I mean, you know, I don't know how the pre-selection works down there at Footscray, but yeah, no, I, I think it's like any I think it's like any other club. Um, I was on the committee, and I missed the meeting. <laughs> I'm vice president, so I'm too scared to miss another meeting. That's really good, Murph. I mean, do you? I, I think it's great to hear of someone who has just been such a storied and legendary cricketer for the country to, to be genuinely involved at that level, not to kind of give it um, some nice rhetoric every so often, or, or you know, or turn up at an event and say it's really important. You're actually involved, kind of week to week. Um, you know, do you think there are enough players at the top level, past and present, who are involved in grade cricket, or do there need to be more? I think it's an individual thing, isn't it? Um, like I, I spent all my time at the one club, so I was very easily um, convinced by uh, some mates on the committee to, to, to get back involved. And also, 
Um, as I said, my son's playing down there, so I'm, I'm around the club most of the time. So if I can help out, that's great. But I think once once there's, there's a, a reason you leave, um, great cricket, isn't there? Uh, there's there's family, there's um, a move away, uh, whatever. You often go to another club, and if you do go to another club, there's a bit of animosity with the club that you leave. So yep. um, you're not you're not really that welcome back, to be honest. But when you <laughs> when you spend your time at, at the one club. Um, your sons there, all your mates are there. It's a, it's a pretty easy decision to make. Merv, um, it's, it, as, as Sam was saying before, it's fantastic that you have stayed uh, in the game, uh, particularly at the club level. Have you noticed quite a big change from, say, when you... I mean, your last Test match was, uh, was 1994, I think I'm right in saying. Has there been a lot of change in the culture of the dressing room, for instance, or is it more or less the same jovial kind of uh, convivial atmosphere? Yeah, I think there, there's one, one one screaming change, and that's the um, lack of alcohol consumed. Uh, <laughs> um, and and that, I suppose that comes back to road rules and that. With, uh, we've got a lot of young players at the club, so if they're on pee plates, uh, they've yeah. got to be hero um, yeah, when yeah. they leave the rooms. And um, see, when, when I played, it was a lot of senior players. Um, you know, 0.05 was virtually just coming in, um, and... Yeah, you, you're worried about you, you're a little bit worried about that, but prepared to run the gauntlet at that time. <laughs> it's nothing if not honest. But and, and Merv, I understand <laughs> that um, you actually you know you played a game last year uh, for Footscray Edgewater. Uh, I was wondering if you could just run us through what that experience was like, what happened, what was the reason. Yeah, you know, I, I like I like your work, boys. When you when you're saying you get getting sleeps by a um, old fat fifty year old, um, that's how <laughs> that's how the North gets. Fourth players felt. I reckon this is <laughs> old fat bloke in the field just giving it to them, and they were just laughing at me. But um, the, the, it wasn't people sort of um, praised it a comeback. It, it was nowhere near a comeback. It was a fill-in. So um, it was the last last weekend before Christmas last year. Three of our in the second week of a game, three of our senior boys were called in the Victorian game to play the West Indies down at Geelong. Um, so three second eleven players had to go up, three le- third eleven players into the second eleven, and um, obviously three fourth eleven players into the third eleven. And I was scratching for numbers, and they, they just asked if I'd play. My, my son was playing in the fourth, my other son was playing under sixteen. So I just said it would be a great opportunity to, to play along the two boys. So um, got the, the young fellow involved, fifteen year old, and uh, went down and played a day. And people say, what sort of day was it? It's probably. The worst day of my life. <laughs> uh, seriously, it was 47 degrees. Most of the crew got called off because it was too hot. And here's this old fat fella sitting in the... Well, we had 298 on the board. We had them one for That's one for 20 after uh, not too many overs. And, and we, we they beat us about seven down. So it wasn't, it wasn't a great day all round. It's the most great cricket story I've ever heard. Just get, oh, we just get yeah. someone's dad along. He just, he's having to play Test cricket yeah. for Australia. Yeah. We just get someone's dad along. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was the toughest day of cricket I've ever played, I'll tell you. So, Merv, is that, is that the first time you played alongside your two boys? Which, which of your kids is better at cricket? Am I, am I wrong in asking that? Is... Well, that, which one's my favourite? Yeah, um, yeah, who do you love more? Who do you love more, yeah. Um, no, they're both they're both at different stages of their careers. One's nineteen, the other one's fifteen, and, and just sort of coming through the the under sixteens. Mate, the the thing that I love about it is they both enjoy themselves. They both have a bat. They both have a bowl. They, they double in a little bit of wicket keeping, so they they do it all. But uh, they're just enjoying themselves. So I don't want to really put too much pressure on them. Um, I did put pressure on the fourth eleven captain last year though um, to to get my youngest bloke a bowl. 
Yeah. Um, and he came on and, and bowled last. Day. I was sort of hoping that he'd, he'd get a wicket, but unfortunately he didn't. Um, so, oh, mate, that's the way it goes. But uh, seriously, it was a was a good day. Uh, actually, it was a great day. Um, and to, to be where I am and, and you know played a lot of cricket around the place, to it was probably one of the best days of cricket I played just on the park with the two boys. Oh, that's uh, that, look, that's really good, Merv. And I guess well, another question I want to ask you: we, we we had to ask you. There's just been a spate of autobiographies coming out this week. Every man and his dog who's played at the international level is releasing a book, it would seem. And, and one of the, the major talking points with all of them, really, is just who's a good bloke and who's a terrible bloke in the dressing room. Um, you've had a, like a best-selling autobiography yourself. I mean, do you have any advice to those people who are coming out with autobiographies as to how you're meant to sell them? Yeah, what happens in the, in the, in the change room stays in the change rooms. Um, <laughs> you, know, you, you play... You didn't, <laughs> Anyone who plays cricket, you know that you're going to play with guys that you don't particularly like. You don't particularly socialise with. Um, you don't like their sense of humour. You don't like the way they dress. <laughs> There's a multitude of things wrong with them. But when you play cricket, you're on the park, um, you're teammates, and, and you cope with each other. So, you know, I think, um, I, to be honest, I've, I've got to, you've got to read everything in context because what happens is a lot of the press just take, takes a, a certain paragraph out of context, uh, it sounds dreadful, but if you read it in the light that it's been written, it, it, it sort of mellows it down a bit. So um, before I comment on any of those, I'd, I'd love to read the books. Um, and, oh, who am I kidding? I'd just get the books for the pictures. Just the pictures. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just out of the juicy bits. But you read the paragraph before the paragraph after, and, you, and, and it normally explains itself rather than just the, the, the highlight of the of mm. the criticism of someone. Yeah, context is crucial. Yeah, that is, isn't it? I think that's why a lot of people give up the game because they realise that they're spending their Saturday afternoons with ten other blokes they hate, and uh, and you know there's four blokes in the opposition who laugh when you get out, and that just wears it's, that it takes its time after a while. But do you think that the, all this sort of stuff is heightened um, because they're playing so much cricket at the moment? They play all forms. They're playing every day of the week. They're playing, uh, you know, ten months of the year. They're away from home. Is this all sort of built up uh, to you know maybe what it was wasn't in the in the late eighties, mid nineties? Uh, it's it's a it's a good question question because he, if you're playing cricket with blokes you don't particularly like and you, and you're spending more and more time with them it, it becomes harder and harder. Now there was a, a thing in the Ashes a couple of years ago where where Australia were over there and they said that um, Watson and Clark were were at each other and I was speaking to the support staff, um, know, know the physiotherapist and the security bloke really well and they're saying mate there's there's no no problems within the team. It's just the media because we're going badly, just looking for something, and they um, they're constantly asking about it. But within the within the team, there's not a problem. So um, I think we've got to take into context too is that there's plenty of media now, and they always look for an excuse why the team's not going well if it's not going well, and then um, they they hone in. And once one gets out, one everyone else thinks, well, where there's smoke, there's fire. We'll jump on board with this. Mm. But ultimately. If you're if you're touring with the team um, and you're away together for for three weeks for three months whatever it is if you're not getting on well with someone on the ground or you, you don't really like you don't socialise with them there's that many pockets and groups of players you, you go down to the bar after those players say, right what are we doing for tea if um, you know if one of, one of the blokes not getting on I'm going to go for a curry or I'm going for Chinese so <laughs> you just don't, you don't spend time together um, so that's a, a good way to deal with it but. Yeah, listen, they are playing more and more cricket and probably comes to the resting and rotation of players. 
And a lot of people don't understand that mm. the players are the biggest assets that Cricket Australia have. Um, so they want the best players ready for the biggest games. So that means they have to rest players um, from one day or from even test matches um, towards the end of a series. So, so be it. Um, I think it's important that, that people understand that. But also... Um, what they've got to do is take on board that people go to the cricket to watch certain players. Now, if I go to the MCG, and I'm, I'm pretty keen to watch Nick, Nick Stark fire up in a one-day game, you get there the morning of the game, he's not playing, you're a bit disappointed. So if they're going to rest players, they know that a couple of days out, release the team the day before, so people aren't going expecting to see um, that player play that's, that's been rested. We'll just go back quickly to the, the player relationships, if that's all right. I mean, I noticed in yeah, your yeah. book that in the 80s and 90s, players used to room with each other on tours a lot, and I guess that gives you a lot of insight into each other's personalities, maybe brings you closer together, or maybe perhaps reveals some, some strange idiosyncrasies that are you know, better left kept secret. But um, look, I'm just wondering, you know, your experiences rooming with, with blokes, um, was that a good way to get to know them? And and, and, and as a, a second point to that, uh, who's, the, who's the strangest human being that you've ever roomed with on tour? Yeah, listen, what, what happens in the room stays in the room. I, I thought that was the dressing room. Yeah, dressing rooms and, and just room rooms. Just rooms, yeah, room. room. But have, having said that, Tim, mate, um, <laughs> I don't want to mention any names, but Tim, Tim May was, he was a shocker. Um, and basically, I, I reckon it was... Um, 89, we got over there and we roomed with guys in the first test match. And Alan Borders very superstitious. So when we won the first test match, you had that bloke as roomies for the rest of the, the tour. I, I roomed with Tim May and he was an absolute nightmare. He wasn't playing, I was playing. I was getting to bed early, he was coming home late, all lights on, with um, a few beers under his belt. And he had his anti-snoring shirt, okay? Right. He wore this yellow T-shirt, he didn't snore. And half the time he came home, he couldn't find it. So <laughs> you'd be sitting there thinking, mate, put your shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Well, so, yeah, no, but, uh, yeah, listen, I'm sure some people say I was the worst roomie that they've ever roomed with, and um, I couldn't disagree with that. But for mine, Tim, mate, terrible. Good. Merv, something that, uh, that you were known for in your career, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but uh, obviously your engagement with the crowd brought, I mean, it was, it was part of cricket really in the, in the early 90s and sort of, until the late 80s as well. I mean, engagement with the crowd was fantastic and it really, really brought this sort of energy and, and attraction to the game that you probably haven't seen in, in maybe, maybe since. Um, but I do want to know, what is the strangest thing that anyone's ever yelled out to you when you were feeling down at fine league? Um, <laughs> yeah, good call. You get... Uh... Get a lot of things yelled at you. I'm sure you um, Probably um, the strangest was in New Zealand, uh, fielding in front of the terrace um, at, at Auckland. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, infamous. I suppose that's um, New Zealand's answer to Bay, Bay 13. Yep. Um, and what they were yelling out, I, I didn't understand them. I had no clue what they were saying, so he just turned around and waved. Um, it was in some sort of language that was close to Australian or English, but <laughs> no, I just, no, no, I couldn't understand it. Well, Merv, we're just going to move on to a, a, a different part of this interview. It, it's a little segment we're sort of loosely calling throwdowns, so you, you okay. understand what throwdowns are. You know, in, I can every, throwdowns. Every, every, <laughs> everything's about getting to 10, you know, you've got to take 10 catches, you get maybe 10 throwdowns, yep. and, and so the idea is we're just going to kind of go around the group and ask questions of you, and we're going to ask that you answer them in one to two words, if that's okay. 
Uh, how, this, yeah. how many syllables in each word? <laughs> no restrictions. They haven't got to say the longest word in the world. And, and can you use hyphenated words? Yes, no, no. Yeah, oh, no that's the only God. thing. Yeah, well, no well, hyphenated yeah, words. Well, no. yeah. <laughs> only rule. Only rule of throwdowns. So we'll, okay, no worries. We'll, we'll, start, we'll start with an easier one. Okay, so let's go. Merv, what's it like to play on a ground named after you? Oh, Amazing. Do you get out of covers duty on those games? I should. Two words. <laughs> Careful. Well, that was two words. That was all right, wasn't it? That's all right. Sorry, Merv. <laughs> this is hard. Merv, it's well known in club cricket that you look <laughs> that you look the teammate that you're secretly in love with directly in the eyes while sing, while singing the team song. What colour are Alan Border's eyes? Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Merv. How important was your role as Australian opening bowler for 10 years in preparing you for the role of Ivan Milat in the cult show Fat Pizza? Very. <laughs> Merv, you were on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here and participated in an eating contest with Maureen McCormack who played Marsha Brady on the Barry Bunch. How did you get inside her head? Easily. On the flight over to England for the 1989 Ashes Tour, uh, infamously, David Boone allegedly drank 52 beers during the flight. Is it true, Merv, that you drank 27 beers before Singapore before switching to rum and cokes on that same flight? Didn't drink. <laughs> Is it contracted? Me, David Boone, 53. 53? 53. Yes. It's going up. Merv, do you still get kit from County? Do you have any kit that you don't want and can I have it? No. <laughs> to both questions. Merv, as one of the early cricketing exponents of the handlebar moustache, what do you think when you see modern cricketers like Mitchell Johnson who definitely wax their bodies when they have ironic facial hair? How does that make you feel? Yeah. Not really a word to describe that, is there? No. I think there's a German word for it. Yeah. Shit and <laughs> in the second test against the West Indies at the Wacker in 1988, you took match figures of 13 to 217, including taking 8 for 87 in the second innings and also famously took a hat-trick. But Australia lost by 169 runs. How hard was it to act dis- disappointed? <laughs> oh, I need more than one word, two words to answer this. <laughs> Take as many as you Seriously. need, mate. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's uh, one you can expand on. Oh, uh, mate, yes. Um, you just get man of the match. You walk into the room, you've got the little, little trinkets, four trinkets there, man of the match. You're looking around to the other ten players in the team that have got their heads down yeah. and thinking to yourself, if you blokes had done your bit, we would have done the same today. I understand where you blokes come from. I really do. <laughs> We've got the number one grade cricketer of all time with us, Murph Hughes, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure from all of us. Thank you for kicking off the first episode of the Grade Cricketer podcast and your champion, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again. Oh, I hope so. Guys, you, you do great work. Keep it up. Uh, put a lot of, lot of um, smiles on a lot of cricketers' faces. It has been referred to as uh, the, the best uh, sports writing tribute to, to a particular sport since Fever Pitch. Uh, does it do anything to enhance literature? Would be another question. Another. <laughs> I wouldn't even call it literature, really. So, lads, earlier in the week, we put out the call on on social media, on our various social media platforms. Risky move. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 
just questions. Ask TGC. Ask the great cricketer. Uh, any great cricket related questions, any life questions that you might have, uh, we'll try and answer a couple of them every week. And we've got a couple here. And I might kick off the first one, guys. Uh, let me just uh, go through my notes. <laughs> I think we've got to be snappy here too. Fox are sort of winding us up here, which <laughs> all right, may all right. be a good sign. Here we go. I've got one from Damien Sharry. He's uh, said, question for the podcast. Who in a club is more alpha, the solid state player or the fringe T20 franchise player? Pez, are you? Okay, thanks. I had to, had to think deeply about this one. I think T20's revolutionised cricket, um, no more so in the social sphere. So, mm. you know, what, is, what does it mean to be alpha? Um, state cricket linked with history and prestige, you know, a lineage connected in the folklore of 90s, 80s, 70s, back to the mysterious, you know, Bradman circuit, the 20s to the 40s. Uh, T20 cricket, on the other hand, definitively alpha in the pursuit of raw regression, dominance, partying. You know, so we're going to have to start thinking, you know, talking about old money alpha and new money alpha as well. Um, I don't know. It, I, I don't know what the answer is. I reckon at the moment it's probably state, the state cricketer is just fractionally more alpha, but in two years, you know, with all of yeah. the pipes and the chests and the <laughs> and, and whatnot, <laughs> the pipes and the chests. You, you know, the, the T20 franchise well, player could be a bit more of a commodity. Well, my opinion is that the T20 guy is more alpha on the surface, but there's a palpable sense of insecurity that surrounds everything that he does. Um, look, his entire self-worth hinges on staying on the fringes of this T20 squad. Uh, he just needs to have a headshot in his T20 kit on the club website to feel something, preferably a short bio, maybe a little Q&A section, you know, <laughs> top three dinner guests, who would they be? You know, Nelson Mandela, Michael Jordan, and Eric Clapton. <laughs> that kind of thing. So I think he's got that kind of uh, that alpha power play over the, the humble state cricketer who's a servant of the game of cricket. My answer would be that the person in the club who's always the most alpha is the bloke who's got a job. Yep. So no one at our club. <laughs> Stephen Cooper uh, at Official S Cooper writes acceptable amount for a fourth grader who bats seven to spend on a new stick. I think this is very much uh, very much an engagement ring type situation for your lower grader. So you're looking at sort of three months salary. So for uh, for Stephen Cooper here, we're looking at sort of uh, three four hundred dollars. <laughs> name cannot be blank says that's the actual name. I've never recovered from being sledged from outside boundary by my teammates when I was batting in under thirteens. Any advice? Seek professional help. Psychiatrist, yeah. yeah. Psychiatrist. Happy for me to keep rolling with the questions. Yeah, please yeah. Ed going. Lawrence says, please tell me why I've given so many Saturdays to a game that I'm just not very good at. Well, because it's all you've ever known and you have a deep-seated fear of change. Manya Shark says, why do I take leg stump if I can't play the cut shot to save my life? This one's fairly obvious, boys. This is uh, very much a situation where uh, his dad was obviously the square leg umpire one game and he wanted to be closer to him. Geographically closer to him. Yeah. <laughs> Geographically. Yeah, not emotionally close to him. <laughs> F-Bomb asks, where would Donald Trump bat in the order? I think Donald Trump bats eight, doesn't bowl. Is that, is that, uh, is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. You could open with him, but, you know, I wouldn't expect too much. A few fireworks early. More interested in where he's going to field. <laughs> no, I would honestly have him at bat pad just barking insanity <laughs> at, the, at the batsman all day. Doesn't need big hands for that too. No, really. you can have the, the, usually the smallest hands smallest are at hands. bat pad. Mm. Yeah. Galpo says, what's the sledge that hurt you the most? I played in a match once uh, against former Australian cricketer Phil Jakes, who'd previously hit three, uh, the previous week hit 320 in the match. I walked out to bat, and uh, until that point, I hadn't realised that this affect I had where I tucked my socks into my pants. I always and noticed I, that and wondered why you did that. Village. Never yeah. said anything. Village. Never said anything. I wish you had, because <laughs> I, I walked out to bat, and um, Phil Jakes was standing at first slip, and, and he said, where the F am I is this under 12s? 
And then Rod Tucker, who was the umpire, started laughing at that as well. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I was later it's caught back with the point. It's never the bowling of Joel Tushy just before lunch. I five. think the sledge that hurt me the most was when my dad said to me, Ian, I'm really disappointed in you. Yeah. That was at graduation day, wasn't it? <laughs> Gary Nielsen asks, uh, as a fourth grade captain, I'm not sure if I'm directing enough abuse slash sexually inappropriate and negative comments towards the juniors getting their footing in grade. Oh, this Jesus. Is this is terrible. Yeah. We need to vet some of these. How things. can I be sure I have the mix right? Just you'll be in court soon. <laughs> Toby Cooper says, do you have any tips on engaging in cricket banter with my workmates? They all play seconds in the Geelong Cricket Association. I only played village cricket back in the old dart, and so I feel a bit intimidated. Any cricket banter, boys? Talk about reverse swing. Mm. No one knows anything about reverse swing, particularly in Australia. Just make some stuff up, and, just, and then people go, oh, this bloke knows what he's talking about. Reverse swing's your key. Duke's balls. Mm. Matthew Cooper. No relation says, what's your opinion on fine systems? Not just the old $2 dropped catch, but also for bowling wides and no balls. Too harsh or not harsh enough? <laughs> Mate, look, it, it's a special type of sociopath that relishes in the fine system, I think. And there's always at least one bloke who's just all over it. He's just got a, an internal spreadsheet in his mind. He's going, yep, drop catch, fine. You know, five minutes late, fine. He's adding them up. Avoid these blokes at all costs. Do not become these blokes for the young cricketers out there. Well said. Tim Boyce asks, what is the correct protocol if the My Cricket input person rips you off a few runs or direct hit run out? A kindly worded email reminder or outright social media humiliation? <laughs> Outright's a good one yeah. there. Look, I mean, my suggestion would be just to politely contact the person in charge and maybe ask them to back pay those runs that you missed out on onto the next innings. These guys who control the My Cricket mm. stats have so much power and you, you just don't want to get them offside. They are the know. gatekeepers, they, yeah. They're the gatekeepers to your livelihood. <laughs> He goes, you said something to me about this the other day. We believe there's a gap in the market to actually uh, <laughs> hack into my cricket think, and start adjusting the I numbers think, within them. I think, yeah. there's, I think there's a market there, boys. I yeah. think there's a real niche market there. I think we can set up some sort of system. Any IT gurus out there yeah. who want to hack into I mean, Assange, they, you know, don't worry yeah. about WikiLeaks. <laughs> don't worry about WikiLeaks. Hey, a, this is where the dollar yeah. is. Imagine how much, that. How much would people actually pay for the, to hack into their my cricket stats? Because it would make, it would make a, lot of, a lot more resumes out there accurate. You know? <laughs> Luke Meredith asks, after wearing a suit before changing to net training do, to assert that I'm clearly more successful than the other guys, how long do I need to keep that up for? Am I stuck wearing my best threads each Wednesday, Arvo? And then how often do I need to rotate suits? I've only got two and the third... I've only got two in the third session. He's next week. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what kind of club you're playing for, mate, but I've always been Tuesdays and Thursdays net sessions. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing with one session yeah. a week on a Wednesday. You must be village. Can't really Yuck. dignify the question. Yuck. Everything's yuck yeah. about that. Yuck. Okay. Final question. Chris Lloyd asks, or he says, sorry, I recently returned from a season in the UK. My family think I have a shot of playing for Australia. Should I let them know that my home ground over there had a tree at square leg or should I play along and hope for a miracle? <laughs> Don't ever reveal that. No. <laughs> Keep that one close to your chest, mate. Well, that's all we've got time for on the uh, on episode one of The Grade Cricketer. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, we're definitely getting the wrap-up from Fox Sports here at the moment to get out of this room. Uh, big thanks to Murph Hughes as well for joining the show. You can like or subscribe to this on iTunes or whatever. All those social media things will be there. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Any final words, boys? Uh, work hard. Let's get back to the clubhouse for a few beers. <laughs>